scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, verses 42 through 46. First, let us pray. Gracious God, open our ears to hear you, open our eyes to see you, open our minds to understand you, open our hearts to receive you, open our lives to follow you. Amen. When evening had come, and since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate wondered if he were already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he had been dead for some time. When he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body to Joseph. Then Joseph bought a linen cloth and taking down the body, wrapped it in the linen cloth and laid it in a tomb that had been hewn out of the rock. He then rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. This is the word of God for the people of God. Joseph of Arimathea, he might be the most hopeful figure in all of scripture. I'm grateful for this sermon series. There's someone I'd like you to meet because it's giving us the chance to look at some of the characters all throughout the Bible that show up just briefly. But even though their appearance is brief, they have important things to teach us. The beloved disciple from the first week, that beloved disciple teaches us we all have a part to play when it comes to the gospel. And Tabitha from last week, who is also called Dorcas, she teaches us that kindness matters. That kindness should never be underestimated because sometimes it has changed the church and the whole world. Joseph of Arimathea, well, he teaches us about hope. If I understand the text, no one embodies hope more than him. So we need Joseph. We need Joseph, especially when we're having a day like Alexander. Now, Alexander comes to us from a different book. I loved his story as a child, but somehow I love it even more as an adult. Alexander and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And I am going to read you a little bit of it. I went to sleep with gum in my mouth, and now there's gum in my hair. And when I got out of bed this morning, I tripped on my skateboard and by mistake, I dropped my sweater in the sink while the water was running. And I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. At school, Mrs. Dickens liked Paul's picture of the sailboat better than my picture of the invisible castle. At singing time, she said I sang too loud. At counting time, she said I left out 16. Who needs 16? 
It goes from bad to worse. There were lima beans for dinner. I hate lima beans. And there was kissing on TV, and I hate kissing. My bath was too hot. I got soap in my eyes. My marble went down the drain, and I had to wear my railroad train pajamas. I hate my railroad train pajamas. It has been a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. My mom, she says some days are like that. I think my love for this book has grown over time because it's true. Some days are like that. You know that already. And it's because we have days that are like that, that we need Joseph of Arimathea. Now there's more than a few Josephs throughout the whole Bible, so just to make sure we're all thinking of the same one, this is not the same Joseph of the many brothers and the coat of many colors. And this is not the same Joseph that is Mary's husband and Jesus's daddy. This is Joseph of Arimathea, and we meet him just this once on what I would wager is the most terrible, horrible, no good, very worst day in history. It's the day that we humans revealed, not only do we sometimes want to destroy God, sometimes we're arrogant enough to think we can, even still, in the midst of all of this, Joseph teaches us about hope. We see his hope through his courage. He is the one who asks Pilate for Jesus's body. Now this is courageous, especially because crucifixion wasn't just a way that people were put to death. It wasn't intended just to torture them. It was intended to humiliate them as well. And so the bodies were typically left hanging, waiting for animals or nature to have their way. They were denied a proper burial and all who passed by were reminded, do not do what those ones did. All told, crucifixion was about death and humiliation and intimidation and control. It was a flagrant display of power and it reminded everyone who had the power and who didn't. For Joseph to know all of this and still ask Pilate for Jesus's body, that's a tremendous amount of courage. And he is able to summon this courage, I think, because he is waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God. That's one of the few other details we're given about him. We know that he is from Arimathea. We know that he is a respected member of the council, which is the Sanhedrin, which is the very group that essentially signed Jesus's death warrant. The Gospel of Luke tells us he was against the plan. The Gospel of Matthew tells us he was wealthy and that the tomb he used for Jesus was actually on his own property. The Gospel of John tells us that he was a secret disciple of Jesus. And the Gospel of Mark tells us he was waiting expectantly 
for the kingdom of God. That is all we know of him according to scripture, but it is more than enough. I would like Jesus's body, please, he says to Pilate. Now when he says this, he asks for the soma of Jesus. Soma is the Greek word that means body. But it's more complicated than that because it also means somebody. Soma isn't just flesh and bones. It's the full essence of someone. It's their entire being. So the way that Joseph phrases his request, he doesn't just ask for Jesus's body. He asks for Jesus. Now I assume, it's not written down, but I assume that Pilate rolls his eyes a little or maybe laughs in disgust or disbelief. But after confirming that Jesus is in fact dead, he agrees to the request. Sure, he says, sure, you can have that body. But in responding, he corrects Joseph's vocabulary. He says, you can have the Toma of Jesus. Now, Soma and Toma, they sound similar, but they could not be more different. Soma is a person. Toma is a corpse, a carcass. Joseph asks for Jesus. But Pilate reiterates the truth of that day. All that is left to be given him is a corpse. Everyone seems to know that, except for Joseph. He's waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God. Even as he takes Jesus's body down from the cross and wraps it in a linen cloth and places it in the tomb, He's waiting expectantly. And really he of all people should know better than anyone. He is the one who has held the body, the Toma. He could verify for himself, there is no pulse and there is no breath. There is no life, not a single drop. And yet knowing all that he is still waiting expectantly. That's what hope looks like. Now, I think it's very instructive that we encounter this kind of hope on the very worst kind of day because it's easy for us to misunderstand the power of hope. The poet Emily Dickinson, she has penned some of the most famous words about hope. She wrote, hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul. It sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. That is one of my favorite poems. I quote it all the time. But sometimes, especially on our worst days, we might need hope that's a little less like a cheerful songbird and hope that's a little bit more like, well, 
this poem. Hope is not the thing with feathers that comes home to roost when you need it most. Hope is an ugly thing with teeth and claws and patchy fur that has seen some things. It's what thrives in the discards and survives the ugliest parts of our world. It is able to find a way to go on when nothing else can even find a way in. It's the gritty, nasty little carrier of diseases like optimism, persistence, perseverance, and joy, transmissible as it drags its tail across your path and bites you. Hope is not some delicate, beautiful bird, Emily. It is a lowly little sewer rat, one that snorts pesticides and still shows up to work on time the next day. No worse for the wear. It may sound extreme, but that poet's hope is Joseph's kind of hope. It's hope that isn't very pretty, but that's okay. In fact, that's essential because that is the hope that can stand up to everything in our lives that is not very pretty. Hope that's a little more like a sewer rat. Now that is a hope that does not flinch, not even when it is presented with a carcass, not even when it is the carcass of Jesus Christ. That, that is the kind of hope that we want and we need, isn't it? That is why and that is how Joseph refuses to give up on his conviction that God is going to be God even on the terrible, horrible, no good, very worst days. I've been thinking about a friend of mine, a colleague of mine, a lot these last few days. The Reverend Dr. Robert Manili was the founding pastor of Village Presbyterian Church. He died a few days ago at 96 years old. Dr. Bob was called to start that church days after he graduated from seminary, and he stayed there his entire career. He served that congregation for 47 years, and he built it from 200 members at its charter to over 7,700 members at his retirement. He was outspoken in the pulpit. He addressed racism head on, and he insisted that Christians ought not allow the religious right to be the loudest voice of faith in public discourse. He spoke so prophetically that the New York Times published the text of his sermon on more than one occasion. But he was outspoken in his actions, too. You see, when Village was founded, the city that surrounded the church it didn't allow anyone with black skin to own property within its borders. And Dr. Bob pushed back against local officials and he organized people in the community and he was unrelenting in his efforts until the unjust law was struck down. 
In an article about his death, the current city officials said that his vision changed the shape of the entire county. In a sermon he preached in the early 80s, Dr. Bob said, hope may well be the greatest and the strongest four-letter word in our vocabulary. There is no such thing, he said, as a hopeless situation. And then he said this, he said, God has already given to each of us more faith, more hope, and more love than we could ever need. More faith, more hope, and more love than we could ever even use. I think we need to remember that and trust it because it is our temptation to look around, to look at ourselves and think that our faith, it just isn't sufficient. In our love, it's just not strong enough. In our hope, well, we're running pretty low on hope. But the Apostle Paul says to the church in Corinth, faith, hope, and love, these abide. And all I can imagine that means is whatever amount of faith and whatever amount of love and whatever amount of hope you have, it is enough. It is enough even if it doesn't seem like it, even if it doesn't feel like it, even if you cannot believe a word I am saying right now. Whatever amount you have is enough because that is the amount that God has given to you. And if it is a small amount, that is fine, because that small amount then, that small amount will abide and abide and abide and abide. It will abide just like the Soma of Christ continues to abide doesn't seem possible until it is. So whenever the day comes, and it will, whenever the day comes that you are desperately searching for hope, remember Joseph of Arimathea. On the very worst day, with the lifeless body of Jesus in his arms, with more evidence of death than anyone else has ever had. He was still waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God. He was barely more than a blip in the overall story of the gospel, mentioned only once, and we don't know what became of him. What we know is who he was when it mattered most. Now he couldn't tell us exactly what was coming. All he knew was that death was not going to get the last word. That the cross would come to stand for love, not hate. That every present heartbreak would give way to inescapable joy. That the pilots of this world, they would be destroyed, every one of them. That the Alexanders of every story would wake up to a brand new tomorrow. 
that God's promised day would dawn. These are the things in which we place our hope. Just like Joseph. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.